You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. God sent a big whale to swallow Jonah and save him from drowning. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Get out of here. You're not doing the lesson. <laughs> hey, everybody. Sorry about that. These teens are trying to take over. Uh, my name is Owen Thomas. I'm going to be doing the lesson for you today. Uh, the lesson's title is uh, God's Amazing Grace. Um, so when you think of the book of Jonah, inevitably you think about Jonah and the big fish, right? So this is the picture that comes to mind when you're thinking about Jonah. Um, but that's not what the lesson is about. And by the way, I want to thank Lauren Hachia for drawing this up. Uh, she's a great artist, and she drew this for us since it's a teen service. Um, but this is far from the truth about what the, the, the lesson of Jonah is about. The book really is about how God can and will work in our lives, even when we're not expecting him to. And it's also about his amazing grace. Uh, when I looked at this book and I was studying this out, there were four different groups of people that stood out to me. And so we're going to talk about those four different groups. Uh, it's God... Jonah, Nineveh, and the sailors on the boat. So let's go ahead and take a look at the first group. We're going to take a look at the sailors. Uh, just to give you some background on the story, um, as Jalen said in his little version here, uh, Nineveh was, were people that were despised by the Jews. They were hated. They were evil. They were vicious. And uh, the Jews uh, didn't like them at all. So that's kind of where we're headed with this as we look into it. Um, so God directing Jonah to preach to them was the same as, you know, maybe you going up to somebody that you can't stand and giving them an opportunity to escape some sort of judgment or difficulty. And so okay. that's what the, the background that we're looking at. So let's go ahead and take a look at the sailors first. So we'll go ahead and look at the first scripture. And um, it's Jonah chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to free from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So... Here we have the sailors, they're on a boat, minding their own business, doing their thing, and they get caught up in this mess between Jonah and God, and they start to freak out. They don't know what to do. Um, they were busy worshiping their own gods. And, you know, in our lives, the, the sailors can be, you know, your neighbors, people working at your lo local grocery store, you know, parent of your kid's friends. For you teens, it could be your classmates, the popular kids and the unpopular kids. Um, the bottom line is the sailors did not know what they didn't know. And that's so true of so many people in our, in our society right now. So all of a sudden, they're in the middle of this storm, and they realize that they have no way of handling it. They're unequipped to handle it themselves, so they're freaking out, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, in Jonah verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him to tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? So they cast lots to find out who is responsible. They were searching for answers. Doesn't this sound like people in our society, in our situation right now? The storms are going on. People are searching for answers. They're trying to figure out, how, why is all this happening? What can we do? Let's look at the next slide. Jonah 1, verse 9. He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. 
Jonah tells him who he is and who he worships. So when we're confronted by people and they're trying to ask us, hey, why are you so calm during all this time? Why are you not freaking out? Why are you not worried? Why do you seem to be handling this so well? Our answer should be the same as Jonah's. It should be simple. My name is Owen Thomas. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I worship the Lord. I worship the Lord God who made the sea and the land and everything in it. Um, let's look at the next scripture, Jonah chapter one, verse eleven. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, "What should we do to, to you to make the sea? What should we do to make the sea calm down for us?" The storm in their lives was getting worse by the minute. So they asked Jonah, the worshiper of God, "What do we need to do?" This is what people are looking for. They're looking for answers. They're trying to find the solutions to solve the problems in their lives and to calm the storm. And this is where we as faithful disciples come in because we have the answer that they're looking for. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 25, uh, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It is because our foundation is built on Jesus and the Bible that we can withstand the storms of life that come, to, come at us, that God has thrown our way. We can trust and know that God has a plan for us and that he will always take care of us. Let's get back to Jonah. In verse, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let, let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah gave the sailors the answer they were looking for. He told them what they needed to do to calm the storm. Now, initially, they tried to not, they tried to do it their own way, but eventually they caved in and did what Jonah told them to do. And as a result, the storms in their lives, once they submitted to God, immediately became calm. And it's the same thing with us. If we can help people see what God is asking them to do, if they start to do it, the storms in their lives will become calm. And God has put that on our hearts to help us to go after these people and make sure that they know what they need to do. All right, let's look at the Ninevites. As we mentioned before, these people were evil and vicious, and they were hated by the Jews. So, so much so that God was threatening to destroy them. All right, let's go ahead and look at Jonah chapter 1. In verse 1 through 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. It is because its wickedness has come up before me. In verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. So Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh and preach the message of destruction, which he did. Imagine this. He's a stranger in a foreign land preaching to people about a God they do not worship. And these people were evil and vicious and had issues. So, of course, these people are going to not respond, right? They're going to think, what are you, why are you here? What are you talking about? We're not going to do anything that you tell us to do. I mean, that's a typical response, right? But I don't think so. For some reason, these people decided to listen to what Jonah had to say. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, it says, The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. 
When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So many times we think we know how people are going to respond when we think about sharing with them. And so we decide, I'm not going to waste my time telling these people about God because they're not interested. But the truth is, we don't know their background. We don't know their history. We don't know if they had an upbringing with God. We don't know what they're going through right now. Um, by all accounts, the Ninevites were horrible people, and they weren't interested in following God. But for some reason, when Jonah preached to them, they responded. Let's take a look at why. Look in uh, Genesis chapter 10, starting in verse 9. It says, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the first sinners of his kingdom were Babylon, Erich, Akdad, Kalna, and Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Ribbeth, Ir, Kala, and Rezin, which is between Nineveh and Kala. So Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, built Nineveh. So it's possible that the stories of the flood and, and of God were circulated through Nineveh, you know, from years past. And so maybe... It's the same thing with the people we hesitate to talk to. Maybe they have a background in God. Maybe they grew up in church. Maybe they're in a situation where they don't like their lives as they currently are, and they're looking for a way to change, but they don't know what to do. They're confused. They're scared. That could have been where the Ninevites were at. So the Ninevites, from the least to the greatest, responded to God's warning and repented of their wickedness, and as a result, God did not destroy them. All right, so now we've come to Jonah, right? So Jonah, the guy who was swallowed by the fish, who was vomited back up, the guy who tried to run away from God as if that's possible. Mm. He bragged to his shipmates about the fact that he was fleeing from God. Uh, and, you know, he was trying to do what God did not want him to do. This is a guy that none of us can relate to, right? He was told to do something by God, but he chose to do something else. Well, let's take a look. Maybe we'll see something different. In uh, Jonah chapter 1, again in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God told Jonah to go do something he really didn't want to do. And as we mentioned earlier, Nineveh was a city despised by the Jews. They were enemies of the Jews. So it's not that hard to connect with why Jonah maybe didn't want to go preach them because he didn't want to give them the opportunity to be saved. I can see being in that same situation. He was angry. He didn't want to forgive them or give them a chance to repent. And he could have been fearful about what they might have said or done to him if he was trying to, when he was trying to preach to them. So look in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, so they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Notice that Jonah doesn't say, I used to worship the right. Lord, the God. Even though he was fleeing from God, by all accounts, he was still serving God. He was still trying to follow God and do what he asked him to do. But yet, he still wasn't obeying. And isn't that true? Haven't we found ourselves in that same situation? We worship God. We follow God. But yet... We don't necessarily always listen to God and do what he tells us to do. You know, you get that inkling in your head, hey, go talk to that person. But out of fear, we don't. Aren't we in the same situation as Jonah? God's telling us, reach out to those people, and we're refusing to do it for some reason. There are often times where God's put something on our heart, and instead of doing it, we run away, just like Jonah. Um, so Jonah was thrown in the sea, swallowed by the fish. He repents, and he's vomited on land. Um, Jonah 3. 
chapter 1, verse 3. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of, city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. So, after being in the belly of the fish for three days, Jonah repented. God tells him to go a second time. He goes. It's all good between Jonah and God at this point, right? Jonah's figured it out. Well, except he hasn't. Um, because when Nineveh repented, he was unhappy. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Jonah became angry because God did not do what Jonah expected him to do. Uh, do any of you feel this way towards God? Maybe you're angry, a little bitter, a little frustrated. God's not working in your life the way that you expect him to do. Um, maybe you're hurt or discouraged and you're thinking about giving up and quitting. I was in a situation like this years ago. Um, I'd been a disciple for about four years, and before I became a disciple, I was engaged. Uh, was planning and expecting to get married. The engagement was broken off. And I thought, okay, after becoming a disciple, I thought, okay, God's going to take care of me. I'm going to start dating right away. I'll get married right away, and I'll have the life that I wanted. Four years in, I was starting to get frustrated. I was starting to get angry. I was getting a little bitter because God wasn't taking care of me in my mind. I wasn't dating. I wasn't on the path to getting married. Um, I had just had a situation where I liked the sister, and it didn't work out. And so now I was back to square one. I was frustrated. Fortunately, I had a friend in my life named Chris Tolbert. And we were having this conversation. I was expressing to him my anger and my frustration at God and my bitterness. And he was going through some things of his own. And so he suggested, hey, why don't we go pray? Let's go get away. Let's go pray to God. Let's express our frustrations. Let's say everything we're thinking and feeling. So we went out to this place in Redondo Beach, this little break wall. Uh, it's right next to the ocean. Very beautiful. And I go out there and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm expressing my frustration. I'm yelling at God. I'm telling him, you're not taking care of me. You're not doing what you promised. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm bitter. Probably not a good idea to do this in the ocean where, you know, a nice big wave could have swept me away. But I appreciate God not doing that. Um, so then I leave. I'm feeling a little bit better. And I'm feeling like, now it's your turn, God. I put it off on you. What are you going to do? Are you going to take care of me? I get home, and I used to have this daily calendar with scriptures on it. And I realized that the calendar was on the previous day's scriptures. So I flip it over, and here's what I saw. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18 was the scripture that was on there. It said... For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I got it. As soon as I saw that scripture, I was like, all right, God, I realize <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tripping. You're going to take care of me. What you see is bigger than what I see. I don't right. see the hidden things. I know you've got a plan. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to take care of it. Right. If you find yourself in this situation, if you're angry, you're bitter, you're frustrated, this is a dangerous place to be in. Mm -hmm. I strongly suggest you get with somebody that you trust, tell them what you're going through, and then get away and pray to God and work it out. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about God, the fourth player in this whole situation. Hopefully you can see already how God is just being woven through this whole story. Mm -hmm. um, but... What we're going to look at is how he extended grace to each and every one of these people, how his grace is amazing. Um, for the sailors, God brings a storm on the ship because he's trying to get Jonah's attention. He's trying to get him to turn back and do what he wants to do. But he didn't have to spare the sailors. He could have easily wrecked the ship and still saved Jonah with the, the large fish. But instead, 
he uses Jonah to give them an opportunity to see who he is. They were worshiping their own gods. They weren't interested in following him. But after having this experience with Jonah, now all of a sudden they see that there is one true God and they need to follow him. He gave them an opportunity and they took it and they ended up worshiping him and they were saved. Let's look at the Ninevites. Uh, by all accounts, they were an evil people, so much so that God was planning to destroy them. Um, but God gave them an opportunity to repent and to choose to not do what he needed to do. Um, in verse Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. There was a reason God was threatening them with destruction, because they were not living according to his plans. They were evil. They were doing wrong. But it was God's amazing grace and his compassion that he had for the Ninevites that because they repented when he gave them the opportunity, he withdrew his threatening destruction, and he gave them an opportunity to move forward. Okay, so now let's look at Jonah. Here's a guy who obviously needed a lot of grace. Um, he ran away. God forgave him. Right. Jonah spent some time in the whale. He had three days to figure it out, and he repented. Um, God could have easily said, you know what? You're not listening to me. You're not doing what I asked you to do. I'm done with you. Let's just move on. But instead, he gave him a second chance. Then after getting the second chance, Jonah essentially threw a temper tantrum. You're not doing what I want you to do. You didn't destroy him. I want to die. It sounds ridiculous. But even in that, God chose to be patient with Jonah. He chose to explain to him why he was doing what he was doing. He chose to tell him that there were so many people in Nineveh, and he wanted to give him an opportunity to repent, to be saved. He even tried to use a vine as a prop to show Jonah what it was like. Jonah wasn't hearing any of it. But again, it just shows us how God is patient with everyone, how he's forgiving. And fortunately for us, God has this same grace with us. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Thank God for that. Amen. God is patient with us. He's given us chances after chances after chances to come to a knowledge of him. He wants us to repent. He wants everyone to be saved. Um, God is demanding and firm, but at the same time, he's also fair, patient, and compassionate. Thank God for that. Amen. So I challenge you to see yourself in the story of Jonah. Maybe you're like the sailors. Your life is going along. You're not fully satisfied. You're, you're fearful. You have no knowledge of God. You're not trying to follow him right now, but you're being tossed and turned by, by the waves of, the, the, of what's going on in your life right now. Uh, you're freaking out. If so, I challenge you to get with the person who invited you to this service. Talk to them. Sit down, study the Bible, get, you, give yourself a chance to see God just like the sailors did, and give yourself an opportunity to repent and change so that the storms can calm down for you as well. Maybe you're like the Ninevites. You have a faint knowledge of God. Maybe you grew up going to church, but you're not living it out right now. You're doing your own thing. Maybe you're stuck. You want to change, but you don't know how to change. You're angry. You're frustrated. This is where I challenge you. Again, find out. Get with the person who invited you. Talk to them. Share with them your feelings. Um, find a way to connect with God. Because the bottom line is he's giving you a warning right now. And this is your opportunity to repent. Don't wait for the 40 days to end and be destroyed. Maybe you're like Jonah. You've been ignoring the direction that God has been giving you. You're choosing instead to do your own thing or go your own way. Um, if so, make it a point. The next time God puts a thought in your head or on your heart, tells you to do something, react immediately. 
Do what he tells you to do and see what the results are. God is trying to do something. He's working in your life. But if you don't listen, if you don't give him the opportunity, you'll never see where he's, where he's headed. Or maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're like I was. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're unhappy because you don't feel like God is taking care of you. You're thinking about quitting or giving up. I challenge you, as I said before, get with somebody you trust, somebody that you know has a knowledge of God. Share with them your heart. Share with them what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And then go get with God. Get some time alone. Say what you need to say. Be as angry as you need to be. Lay it all out. But trust that God's going to take care of you ultimately. And then listen and wait for God's response. And when he does respond, take it to heart and do what he tells you to do. Bottom line, God's grace is amazing. And so is his forgiveness. But just like with the sailors, the Ninevites, and Jonah, repentance is required. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 